Hello and welcome to the Who's podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, and belatedly I should say, we're going to be talking about um, the long game in our never-ending Series 1 retrospective. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, we, we do apologise uh, for not putting out a podcast um, on schedule, um, but we both came down with the lurgy, didn't we? Yes, but we have risen after Easter. <laughs> I think some nights after this we should have bloody stayed there, but there you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so on a, I must say this is going to be a very, very sort of Christopher Eccleston themed podcast, this one, because um, in the news that's all there is to talk about is Christopher Eccleston, um, since we've been away. Um, we'll come on to the London Film at Comic Con um, appearance um, after, after this first news item. But um, on our last uh, podcast, we were talking about um, Eccleston sort of, sort of kind of opened up a little bit about why he left Doctor Who. And after we put out our last, uh, our last episode, uh, another article um, came out um, in the Radio Times. It was The Guardian last time, wasn't it? Where he was, uh, he was talking yeah. about, if I remember rightly. Um, now, this time he's had quite a bit more, and it's actually sort of quite interesting Um and basically, I mean, everyone's probably read this any everywhere anyway, and discussed this on, or heard this discussed on other podcasts, I should say. Uh, but really, he he seems to have a um, um, a massive falling out with with Russell T Davis, Julie Gardner, and, and Phil Collinson. It seems um, he says the relationship with them broke down ir- um, irreparably during the first block of film, and it never recovered. I said they lost trust in me, and I lost faith and trust and belief in them. Um, which is sort of quite—it's very sort of tactfully put, but quite damning at the same time. I feel, really. Yeah, I mean, if you look, look at it, it's still—you still get the feeling it is all about the director, isn't it? That and Keith spoke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether he, whether he was wanting him replaced and they refused, and this all then followed that. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that seems to be my reading of it. Yeah, and that's, that... that's where the that's where that's where the problems lies. The fact yeah. that he didn't want him as director, and they wouldn't agree to it. Yeah, I think that. I mean, there was um, there were all sorts of rumours around at the time. Maybe it was Keith Boak. Um, apparently, didn't like. So rumour has, and he hasn't said so here. Um, but so rumour had it, he wasn't too fond of John Barrowman um, clowning about in between takes. Um, because I think Eccleston takes it quite seriously. Yeah, what he does, and he, I don't, don't think he felt that Barrowman was uh, taking it as, as seriously as, as he should have done. Um, but you know, that, that's just rumour, though. I don't know how, how much truth there is in that. I've got no but, idea. But it was more the line, you know. He goes on and says, "I think that if we're setting up a huge series like that, the director has to be impeccable in setting yeah. the tone." Mm. And he seems to be saying there that basically Billy Piper. Was nervous because she wasn't that experienced at the time, and mm. he wasn't used to doing something like that. And um, yeah, I first think they they just wanted the director to be more sympathetic to them. And yeah, he wasn't by the sound of it, and the sounds of it, yeah. Um, and, and from that, then you say, did, did that then go to the fact that they then went to Russell T Davis and whatever, and he wasn't that sympathetic about getting rid of the director so well yeah I think I've heard other stories about um Eccleston you know re- refused to film certain scenes um at certain times just to ensure that the crew got a break hmm. and things like that and if he did that I mean fair play to him really um 
I don't think you, you can knock the guy for doing that. I think you right. obviously saw there was a lot of bad feeling on, on set. Um, and sided with the crew, I think, <laughs> to be yeah. rather, rather than his immediate superiors. Um, but it's actually quite interesting that he says he was out he, he was out of his comfort zone. He never done that sort of um, comedy type thing before. Um, which is an interesting, an interesting take on Doctor Who. He saw it as comedy, or, or more, not sort of more needing more of a light, a lighter touch than what he was used to doing because he yeah. was always very, very serious. You know, serious roles of what he did. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was, I, it, it was, it yeah, was interesting I, to not, see that he, he actually admitted that he was out of his comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, because he, he was. Yeah, very, very gritty roles, wasn't it? He's used yeah. to playing so. So even so, anything that probably not quite at that level, he's probably considering to be more of a. And there were light-hearted moments in this that mm. he just sort of looked at that as something totally different to what he was used to doing with. Yeah, it's it's a shame, really. It's a shame. It's um, it's obviously sort of um, sort of coloured his his judgment um, against working with we know we know Doctor Who again. I know he did sort of come fairly close. Um, to come back for the fiftieth, and eventually turned it down. Um, yeah, and I think he didn't. He say at the time he would only um, come back and film it for a certain director. I can't remember the director's name now. Um, who basically did the like the finale of series one? I can't remember his name. That's appalling. Yeah. Can't remember his name. But I know he did say, you know, if he came back, I'd come back. Um, but of course, that wasn't that wasn't going to happen. But no. um, yeah. Um, but another interesting thing as well, he said. He said, he said when he left, he gave he gave his word to, uh, to RTD, they wouldn't do anything to damage the show, which he hasn't done. Um, no. And to be honest, he still hasn't done. Um, but then he goes on to say they did things to damage me. I didn't criticize anybody. I didn't issue a statement. He, he didn't. It was he was you know he, he kept his he kept his silence, and I I felt I feel he, he acted quite professionally about it. Yeah, and he still did the promotional stuff, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. For the for the new series, even though he'd obviously he'd already left by that point, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And could easily have turned around and said, "Well, actually, you know, no, thank you. I've got other projects I'm now working on." Yeah, but no, he and he's, he. I mean, ever since then, he's he's. Um, I wouldn't say he was an an ambassador for the show. Um, if you say someone like Colin Baker has done since he was treated badly by the BBC. Um, yeah. After taking on the role of Doctor Who, so. Um, but I mean, the worst he's done is said he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. But I think that's that's the thing. I think it, it, it's, it's a certain sort of subsection of fandom that will, will always sort of hate him for. Oh, he doesn't want to talk. About, he he hates Doctor Who. Well, he he doesn't hate Doctor Who. Um, that's the thing. He's he's never once said the part was beneath him. Um, right. he, he just didn't like the way it was being run. Um, yeah. And he decided to walk away, which. Which, to be honest, what a lot of people do if you're if you're unhappy in your job. Yeah. You know, if you if you really are not happy about the way things are run, and you feel really that strongly about it, you you say, "Sorry, I'm not doing this anymore." That's what that's what happens. It's a job. You know. Yeah. I, um, I, I think sometimes people can't separate this this fiction, um, from reality a lot of the time. Really, so. Um. Yeah, so you go. But then, of course, this leads into um, London Film Comic Con, uh, which is coming up in um, July this year. And Chris Reckerson is going to be there. Um, it's his first ever convention um, that he's attended. 
Um, now, rather than people sort of sort of celebrating that fact, they've just latched onto the fact that he's charging £95 for an autograph. Or rather, I should say, the convention is charging £95 for an autograph. Yeah. It's obviously something that um, his agent and the convention runners have, have negotiated, and, that, and that's that's going to be it. Um, now, considering that Capaldi's going to be there, Sylvester McCoy's going to be there, um, Colin Baker's going to and Pearl Mackey is also going to be at the LFCC um, as well. Uh, they've obviously sort of focused on Nicholson because he's there, but then just said, well, he's only charging, well, not only, he's charging £95, it's an absolute rip-off. Um, yeah. Well, considering that Capaldi's only £10 cheaper. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. So, um, but I don't see anybody criticising him. So I don't know why they sort of latched on to Eccleston, to be honest. And Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, who does set the the actual prices yeah. for these? You just don't know, do you? It's... No, exactly. Um, I mean, to my mind, yes, it is expensive. I do think it is it is quite pricey. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, the autograph, photo shoot thing, it's not... It's not my thing anyway. No. It, you know, it's not something I've actually sort of, you know, openly called it. I'm not bothered about getting someone's autograph or um, having a photo taken with them. For some people, I realise it, it's a big thing. That's what makes their convention form. They get to have their photograph taken with their favourite actor or their TV hero or, you know, or, you know yeah. wherever it might be. But... Um, I must admit, I'm sort of drawn to the bit at the bottom that just says, one exclusive mug. And I don't know whether that means they're talking about the person paying the price. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the that's the Diamond Pass price, isn't it? Which yes. is £235, which is, um, for that you get a guaranteed autograph, a guaranteed standard photo shoot, and as you said, an exclusive mug. Uh, so... <laughs> But that, that's what, that makes it sound like that if you pay the £95 for the autograph price, it's not guaranteed you're going to get it. Well, I, I, see, I've, I've never queued up for one of these things before, and I don't know if you pay in advance or you, you pay once you get to the front of the queue. I've got absolutely no idea. I, re, I really haven't. Um, but if you paid 235 quid for a diamond pass, you're going to get priority whatever, aren't you? Or you would hope you're going to get yeah. priority, you know. But... Um, but having we 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 went to one of the comic cons, didn't we? Um, it wasn't the LFCC one. It, it was the um, the Expo one, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't. What, what the, it was a few years ago. Um, it's not my cup of tea. If I'm if I'm perfectly honest, um, they're oversubscribed. There's too many people there. You just end up shuffling around, don't you? It's not. It, I just think it's just it's just too many people for me. I don't yeah. I don't enjoy it. You know so. It's not our scene, really. No, it's not. No, um, it, it just seemed to be full of people that were didn't actually have a ticket to the event. They were just sort of hanging around, which is fine. They all come like cosplaying. Everything. It was it was great to see, but it was just too many people. Um, yeah, not not my thing. I'm afraid. I thought we, we barely lasted about an hour in there, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Just what we sort of come outside and found a pub to go to. <laughs> much more our scene. It was yes. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, yeah, definitely not um not, not not to be repeated for me, I'm afraid. Definitely not. Definitely not. Diamond pass price for Tony Robinson seventy pounds. Is it really? <laughs> oh you're so looking at the other guests now, have you? So Yeah. Okay, let's have a look at some of the, 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 the uh the <laughs> what's it for Capaldi? Let's have a look here. Um two hundred and twenty five pounds for Capaldi. Uh, now you get more for your money. 
actually. You get more from it, you get the guaranteed autograph, guaranteed photo shoot, exclusive mug, exclusive print, and a priority cities exclusive talk. So yeah. um yeah, that's that's a bit more that's a bit more um bit more bang for your buck there, I think, actually. But um But I think just it's Eccleston, it's his first ever one. You know, so there's gonna be you know, there's gonna be a lot of interest there. One hell of yeah. a lot of interest. So but um yeah, let's see um, Jeremy Bullock, the guy who played or uh, played Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, autograph, 20 quid, photo, 15. Yeah. Yeah, so... Not, not necessarily sure how much the photo is going to mean <laughs> to people. No. Colin Baker, autograph, 15 pounds, photo shoot, 15. Photo shoot with the TARDIS concert, 25. But in the same thing, photo shoot with, I think it must be with Sylvester McCoy as well as Colin Baker, 45 <laughs> quid. Just a photo shoot. That's how much he's charging Sylvester McCoy for a photo with. <laughs> General public, £15. Sylvester McCoy, 45 I just like the idea they charge her for photographs now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, McCoy, autograph, 20 quid. Photo shoot, 20 quid. Photo shoot with TARDIS, 30 quid. But he's not doing one with Colin Baker. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't understand that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not going. I, I think I'd just be confused. Elderly and bamboozled, I think, is our, <laughs> my bracket now. So. No, oh, you'd you just spent your £15 for a photo shoot with Caroline Monroe, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, I would, yeah. I, I definitely... So. <laughs> she can have all my money, as far as I'm concerned, Caroline Monroe. There you go. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, so there we go, there we go. And that is it for the news this week. There is nothing else to discuss. It's, um, as I say, it's, it's a very, very heavily Chris Freckleson-themed podcast this week. So. <laughs> oh, interestingly, Bonnie Langford. Oh, yes. Sorry, I this one. Duo photo shoot with Colin Baker, £25. Mm. Duo photo shoot with Sylvester McCoy, £30. Well, why, why has Sylvester McCoy's stock risen? <laughs> For this particular photo shoot. <laughs> Triple photo shoot with Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy and green screen TARDIS. Fiver. Five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes down in price now. <laughs> oh, right. 55 quid. Yeah. So it's only... Well, I, I was going to say, if that if that's your thing, then 55 uh, quid for, for uh, photograph uh, of uh, all uh, of uh, them, uh, you know... It's, yeah. It's good. I was just checking that the triple photo shoot with Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy wasn't just cheap, wasn't cheaper than a, a Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy photo, because otherwise you could just green screen out Bonnie Langford. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! As it goes to show that you've got someone like Jason Momoa, um, who's but done a few Hollywood films. He's he's in, been in Game of Thrones. He's been in like the he's Aquaman. For God's sake, you know, um, he's cheaper than Eccleston. Yeah. So, I, yeah, all I can say is Eccles has got a bloody good agent. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, what it is, is what they're saying there is basically what they say there. This is the first public signing thing he's ever done. And it might be the only one he does. You don't know, yeah. do you? Yeah. And, and to that, there's a premium because they can basically, you know, there's basically going to be people that's... This is, this is their first opportunity, whereas, you know, some of the other people... Yeah. If you'd wanted to have your photo taken with Colin Baker or Sylvester McCoy, I'm sure there's been plenty of other opportunities 
to do that. Oh, God, yeah. They've, they've been doing the rounds for donkey's years, haven't they? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's the rarity of him rather than actually him himself. Yeah, yeah. I oh, know, I agree. I agree. It, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, though, and I think somebody um, posted this. I think it was Martin from Bad Wilf actually posted this on our Facebook group that the maybe the reason why that he's now suddenly come out of all this stuff about why he left Doctor Who um, was to circumnavigate those questions being asked at the LFCC in July. Yeah. Yeah, just to, yeah, put it to bed. Yeah, because... You, to put it to bed before he gets there. Yeah, because you know, I mean, if he, you know, if he'd if he kept Stum and... He'd, he'd done his convention, done you know the panel, or whatever, and then people be constantly asking, "Why did you leave Doctor Who?" So yeah, um, yeah. It's, maybe that's why he did decide to come out of all this, all this, um, this stuff now. But it, it'll make sense if he did. Yeah. You know, but um, but it's bound to be someone's going to ask some more questions about it. So yeah, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens anyway. And whether this will uh, colour his judgment any further. Yeah, well, this uh, is the only one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody. So uh, that is it for the news this week. So coming up next, we're going to talk about a long overdue <laughs> review of um, the long game. So for another week, then that was the news. Okay then, uh, let's talk about the long game. The fourth great and bountiful human empire, and there it is, planet Earth at its height. My watch must be wrong. No, it's fine, it's weird. It's what comes to showing off. Your history's not as good as you thought it was. My history's perfect. Well, obviously not. Something is wrong. I can taste it. Engage safety. Someone down there shouldn't be here. You control satellite five. And Spike. And I believe it's your turn to kick off proceedings, Paul. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, what do you think about this one after all this time? Pretty much as I remembered it, to be honest, unfortunately. Okay, and and, and that was? <laughs> but it was just... It's almost the first part of the trilogy that makes up the, the last two parts, isn't it, really? He's kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's it's there for two reasons. for To, to have a look at Adam... And to set up the the scene for the the last two parts, and really yeah. the story otherwise isn't that interesting at all, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's just kind of there, isn't it? Really, yeah. there's no real sense of um, of peril there at all, um, and it just I seems think... it just seems to be well. How can we get rid of Adam? Really, it, it just seems to be a bit of. Uh, Damn it! We 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 brought him on board as like a um, as an, as an, another companion. We don't really know what to do with him now, so let's get rid of him straight away. Well, I mean, apparently it was supposed to be the uh, the concept for this was supposed to be from something that Russell T Davies had written as a 
looking at a, the story of a com- failed companion. Apparently, yeah, apparently this was going to be called Adam or the companion that who couldn't, wasn't it? At one point, yeah. Um, but it sort of falls down on that because it, they seem to get a bit half-hearted on that. They wasn't quite. It might. It would have been quite interesting if they could have just purely looked at him mm. and how he dealt with the situation. But it just didn't. It just it gets gets so lost in what it's trying to do. Well, the, the whole thing with him, it's like he does what he does purely for greed, really, isn't it? Once once yeah. he figures out he can he can phone home from two hundred thousand years in the future, um, he decides to download this data to his answering machine. How he's going to get off his answering machine, I, I really don't know. Um, but I like the the original concept. Um, for it, was that his his father suffered from a an incurable disease at the time, um, yeah. and he wanted to I wanted to learn about that cure if it had been discovered in the year two hundred thousand, um, which I think is, is a better motivation. Yeah, really. It's just it's almost as if like they just made a, a decision to make him as unsympathetic as possible. Yeah, and the one thing that would have made you know him sympathetic in this would have been that. And they took that out, and he just becomes, uh, really had no necessarily personality to it. You don't really find out about him. This no, is the other thing. you don't, do you? You know, you know for, for you to have any feelings for him as a failed companion, you probably have to have some interest in him. And you mm. never, not in this and not in Dalek, do you ever get that connection with him as a companion? No, never. It does just seem a bit weird why the Doctor sort of does sort of take him on board at the end of Dalek anyway, because he basically sort of left Rose to die, really. He made sure he got he escaped before she did. Yeah. Um, which the Doctor does make a point of, of telling him in that particular story. Um, but in this one, though, he's just... He uh, doesn't really... He doesn't spend a lot of time with the Doctor and Rose. No, so you don't see it from a point of view of, of his eyes uh, no. looking at the... Relationship of the Doctor and Rose. No, not at all. So yeah, and you just and the only th- not the... even other than when he first faints, you don't really. He's, he's then not overruled by the the fact of where he is. He goes no. from he goes from fainting at seeing the sight of the the Earth and whatever mm. to suddenly yeah let's let, let's cut me open and put stuff in me and. Whatever. Yeah, it just lurches from one thing to another, really, doesn't it? It's just, it's yeah. so, yeah, it's bizarre. I find it really bizarre, to be honest. Um, and and I think the only thing he actually sort of, and even and I think it's a bit shoehorned in the, re, the reason um, he sort of comes back into play again is because he he tries to he's trying to download all this information into his brain, and that's how the um, the Jagrafest picks up on who the Doctor is. Yeah. Um, but. Is that it? Yeah, you know, really. It was just yeah. It just seems to be right. Okay, we will use him for this, but it didn't have anything else to do with the plot, really. No, not at all. It, it, it was just a mishmash of ideas that none mm. of which really got explored to make you feel that there was particularly any point to it. No, you know the fact you just don't get background on. Really, you don't get background on anything. <clears throat> Not the people 
that were were there. She's got the the woman that eventually, basically that deals with it in the end. It's not even the doctor that deals with it. It's where he's shown her. She turns the the heating around. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of how Doctor when it when it sort of in this first series when it came back in two thousand and five. I say first series from the in the two thousand and five canicity. Um, it's um, the Doctor does seem to take a bit of a a back seat a lot of the time when it when it comes to solving the problem. Yeah. In 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 a few episodes, um, I know that there's other examples. Where, you know, he he does resolve the issue, um, but even like if, you, if we skip forward to, to the finale, he doesn't resolve it. It's actually Rose, yeah, who really resolves the uh, the oh, situation. I'll spoil it for everybody now. Yeah, and I'm, oh, bollocks. I haven't got that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, um, and I think that that was a bit of a criticism, and it's still a criticism that a lot of a lot of long term fans of Doctor have, have, have got about the show since it came back. The Doctor doesn't really have. Much of an impact on on events as as he as he used to do. No, um, and it's just but, but you get nothing really for her character. There's nothing for Rose either. There's nothing. For, there's nothing for Rose. There's nothing really for, as you say, for um. Oh, what was that character's name? That's bad. I've forgotten it already. Um, Kathika, wasn't it? Yeah. What was her name? Yeah. Yeah. And Suki. Was Suki. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The other one. But yeah, I mean, you probably learn more about her than anybody because that, that she was a. Well, yeah, Some she's sort of a freedom fighter. Yeah, she's the only one that has any any kind of sort of background um, yeah. story to them, um, and is sort of like then instantly killed off. So, yeah, like, Simon Pegg's good in it, but you don't really know his character much other than what he's there as the representative of the banks. Yeah, you, you, yeah. But, but you just don't really get, you know, as to, as to really what is happening here. Why has the Jagrafest been allowed to take over? How did it happen? You don't get any of that. It's just there. It's happened. Mm. And now we move on. Yeah. And as you say, it's, it's just a big setup for the for the finale, um, yeah. basically, isn't it? But. Um... As, as, I don't know. As setups go, me... there wasn't really a mystery. No. Well, there, there no, was trying it, to be a mystery, but um, it it didn't actually really go anywhere. To be honest, I know it's sort of like no, you know, it, it, it's just setting the scene for. So well, yeah, literally the scene the, where, well, it, where it's ta- where where the last two episodes take place. Yeah, so I'm, they I, don't have to go through that. I suppose I suppose it is it is kind of like a satire of. Um, media control, isn't it? Really, they're, they're, they're constantly feeding um, the human race constant news feeds all the time, and you've got these um, these sort of kind of um, well, what are they reporters? I don't, know, I don't know what these people are supposed to be, really. Um, and their the whole sort of raise on debt is to get to level five hundred, um, yeah, which is sort of like the, the ultimate promotion. Um, yeah, I. But then, then again, it's sort of like you've got the whole mystery of level 500, which, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really yeah. much, wasn't much of a mystery because you you saw what was there before they did anyway. So, yeah, um, you know what 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 used to happen at level 500? So you see, like, there's the 
the former, the the, the dead sitting around mm. the similar apparatus that has been used on the lower levels. Yeah, you know, there's no explanation of of what happened that stopped that. You never see what the what the space station, how the space station operated before the Jagrafest came along. No, there's nothing, is so, there? So you get no idea of how it was corrupted or what, you know, it, its intentions were and how it was used. So, you know, for a satire on media, you sort of needed to see how that was being pushed out towards people. You know, you sort of had the fact that people don't necessarily think for themselves now. They just take news as it's given to them. Mm, yeah. But that's it. That that You get that sort of one line in, that's in there. And the fact that she's some sort of freedom fighter for against fake news, and the last freedom fighter against fake news, it, it appears in this as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So what? But that's it. There's nothing, you know. Where where, where this is going? Why this is happening? What we've come from? There's nothing. It's just that's it. It's happening, and it's been got rid of. Yeah. Exactly, and as you say, that the whole resolution, she just plugs herself into this machine, um, but then it seemed to be, well, how did she do that without the other people sitting around? They, the other people sitting around with their hands on the console seem to play an integral part in that in that data transfer. Yeah. But at the end, they weren't needed, so... Um, no. But then they weren't needed with Adam either. No, exactly. So it's just a bit, I just find this one a bit of a mess, to be honest. Yeah. And I know what we're saying is really, really picky. I know those sort of things are, are usually tossed aside um, just to move the story along um, in this. But it, it seems to play quite, an, as you say, it played an integral part. Because as soon as Suki took her, her hands off, off, the, off the console, the data transfer stopped. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it's not really, yeah, it doesn't really flow that well, this story, does it? No, it's, it's it's just a mess. It's just like you know, considering that supposedly, as we said, that the the whole concept of this was was originally started as a failed companion. Mm. You what it actually turns up on screen is the almost the fact that it seems without knowing that you'd seen so that there is the position where they've got oh we've got this person on board now. What do we do with him? How do we get rid of him? Well, it does seem to be because um, obviously later in the series we get Captain Jack as the, the third person on, on the TARDIS. Um, yeah, maybe that's where that was heading because um, they brought in Adam, and maybe they had the idea of Captain Jack. And I thought mm, maybe we'll have, have him as a as a third person on the, on the TARDIS instead. Well, this is, this is what it seems like when you watch it. But like yeah. I say, the, the fact that it seems that the whole idea was that it was going to be. Adam's fall from grace as a companion. It just doesn't. It's it's just such a mess of a well. The thing is, idea. well, the thing is, if you're going to, I was yeah. going to say, if you're going to have a, a, a fall from grace for a companion, you've got to establish that person first. So when yeah. they do leave, the impact is a is a is, is felt a bit more. Yeah, he needs this, to be around for a couple yeah. of episodes or yeah. at least more. And it's just the whole thing with with New Who because everything's. Shortened into a space of time, mm. but at the end of the day, get, you it, don't it, get it, a lot of chance to do character. No, you don't. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you'd gone forward to 
Um, so if if they carried his companion into into the next um, story, Father's Day, yeah. What if they'd have made it him that had um, saved Pete and and caused the rip in time, and the Doctor chucks him off the TARDIS for doing that? No, because because yeah, the but... Doctor, cause I'd, I'd see that is more you establish him a bit more in this story. He sees what goes on. He he. Um, you know, as I said, the story told from his point of view as it was originally um, envisaged. You go to the next story. He saves um, Pete to impress Rose. He causes all this this havoc with time. And the Doctor kicks him off the TARDIS b- b- because of that. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, it just might have even been better if you could have just even had that one something a different story, another story between, whether it be next week's. One or next mm. time's one, or not. But even if he just didn't do anything much in that episode, just being around and establishing himself as a as a crew member mm. to then you know, so you just get a little bit more build up, a little bit more chemistry between the three of them. Yeah. Before this episode, that you actually. Well, I, I may think, actually feel something towards yeah, well, what's I, I, going on. I think that the point I was trying to make there, because what they were trying to do, what the, the original um, outline for his for his, his um, character in this story was that he was trying to find that um, that cure. Yeah. Um, for for his father. Um, so the intentions were right, but misguided. And I think what the point I was trying to make was sort of like if you abandoned that for this particular story. Moved on to Father's Day again. If he saved like Pete Tyler, yeah. Again, his intentions were honourable, but again misguided. But he gave his character a bit more time to stick. At least stick around for one whole story before he gets ejected. You know, yeah. so uh, or one whole story as as part of the Tardis crew, I should say. So, um, yeah, it, it just yeah, it just seemed to be a big mistake. The whole Adam thing, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was an in, it's an interesting idea of doing that, mm. but yeah, it just didn't it didn't happen with this. You just felt that he wasn't wanted in the first place, and the doctor was looking for an excuse to get rid of him. That's how this comes across now. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so everyone was trying to find an excuse to get rid of him. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even Rose wants to get rid of him after the first five minutes of this episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, literally. I mean, you you could almost understand why he goes off and does it because he's like, you know, I've made a mistake coming away with these people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like me. Well, obviously, we, we focus in on Adam really um, on this particular um, review so far. But what what about the rest of the the actors in this? Um, what about Christopher Eccleston? Do you think he has a lot to do in this one? No, not really. I mean, it's just. The, the main scenes for him are really in cannibalising the computer thing to find out what's going on. Mm. Other than that, this just really doesn't do a lot. No. There's not a lot for either of the uh, main characters to do in this one, really, no. is there? They sort of walk around the station for a little bit, get captured, get back in the TARDIS, drop Adam off. End yeah. of story. That's it, really. Yeah, I think um, the nurse that d- deals with Adam 
or you know the woman who deals with Adam to do with the old times in Greek, the, yeah, 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 the implant has more to do in this story than <laughs> Doctor and Rose. <laughs> and that's having said that Adam doesn't do a lot. You know? No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as I said, it's, as I said previously, it's, it's, this story is just sort of there, really, isn't it? it it's it, yeah. it's supposed to contribute something, you know. It, I mean, that's why you know the clues in the title, the long game. Um, but I mean, to be honest, there's not a lot of game there, really, that that sort of warrants no. a lot of attention. No, no, not at all. I mean, the only interesting character in this, as far as I was concerned, was Simon Pegg's character. Mm. And like I say, you don't really get any thing to him either. Background to him or how how he ends up there and whether he's there willingly or no, he's is just it because he's, of fear. Is it because of money? Is it what you know? Yeah, he's just like the, the you know the the really the Smithers to the Jagrafest is Mister Burns, really, isn't he? It's he, he, sort of he's sort of playing that kind of role. But again, as you say, there's no real. There's no real sort of background to him at all. So, to, um, so how he gets there? How he gets there, and and you know what? Why he's got those? Um, you know, has he been specially adapted to live in the cold? I'm assuming he must be because everyone else is dead around him. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And at least you know, and he sort of has the at least the, the his the own willpower to realise to get out when he should get out, mm. although he's stopped. How, you know whether that would necessarily have stopped him, and how she stops him if she's already dead. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of um, sort of c- convenient plot devices in this, to my mind. Yeah. to be honest. But um, well, say, so, I mean, we, we we did have like a, a two or three comments about this when we um, when I put them out on our Facebook group, we were going to be covering this story, um, and we had like, like three sort of um, notes on it. Um, well, the first one's from Russ Hilton. He says, difficult to give a good review to this in light of Chris Ferguson's recent comments about his time on the show. It puts a completely different bent than any scenes in which he becomes angry. So sad. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think he was... I don't think he let any of that influence his performance at all. No. I, th- I think he's just too professional um, to do that. Um, but then we get you get Paul Villano says, loved it. A bit of panto, of course, but that was part of the style of RTD. Eccleston on form as the, as the put-upon alien trying to make due and, and make everyone do what they're told so he could help them survive. Um, again, yeah, I, could, I suppose you could say it was, it was a, a little bit of panto. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's any influence of him making it, him do what, you know, telling people what you know, to do as they're told, really. No. He was just trying to, have, you know, put history back on track, really. So I'm not, yeah... Um, but then Jeff Waddle says it puts the the plots in place what comes later, and it does well, um, does it well? But it kind of it's a it's a bit meh. Yeah. Um, which which I'd say yeah, that's probably the most spot on description. Yeah, there actually. It, just needed, it needed it needed to pick a story and make that the sto- the main story. Yeah, and it just didn't. That's that's the biggest problem I had with it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, thank you for contributing there, um, 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 yeah, Paul, Jeff, and um, and Russ. Um, you know, it's always nice to get a little, little a few comments to read out on on the podcast. Um, so we, we're not necessarily agree with them all the time, but thanks for sending it in. We'll always read them out. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I think it just sums it up. Meh, really. Yeah. It was just meh, um, and it's uh, it's a shame because we're in that sort of mid 
period now of this series, aren't we? Um, and you, we're just building up now to sort of like the empty child, to be honest. Yeah, I, I I think what was lucky was that this followed Dalek. Yeah. If this had come before Dalek. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you they, think? Do you think you would have stuck with the show? There may have been a a sense of, hmm, yeah, I'm not too sure about this. Is where this is this is going mm. anywhere that I'm overly finding myself thinking, oh, this is going to be must watch. Yeah. Yeah, it it wasn't, was it? After you know, no. this this is not must watch. Well, it's not for me. It must be. It must be for some people out there. Um, yeah. But unfortunately for me, it's not. It's not must watch because hmm. it's not that great a, a plot, um, and none of the lead characters get a lot to do. No, no. But but sort of still basking in how good Dalek was. You you was prepared to just carry to work your way through. Yeah, you? yeah. There's a lot of good. <laughs> there's a lot of good faith involved in watching this one. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear! Oh well, I don't really think I've got much more to say about this one. Um, no, to I be honest, not, no, not not, not that's <laughs> repeatable. No, f- fair to middling. This one, fair to middling. Okay then. Um, well, that's the end of our very Equison heavy uh, podcast for this. <laughs> uh, but when we're back a week after next, we're back to a big finish, aren't we? Yes. Yes, and we've uh, selected a sixth Doctor. Um, story um, was it the Marion consp- Marion conspiracy? Was that what we picked? Yes. Yes. Um, which is where the uh, Sixth Doctor meets Evelyn Smythe. So, which has been one of our um, favourite characters on Big Finish um, since we've been listening to these audio stories. So, um, I'm looking forward to how the Doctor meets her for the first time. Yeah. Certainly, certainly am. Um, yeah, so there we go. There we go. So we are uh, rapidly approaching our 300th episode as well. Um, um, we're not doing anything special. We want to make that absolutely clear right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but generally, over 300 episodes. Yes, yeah, so nothing, nothing special. special. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me put it this way: it's our 300th um, episode in the main range. Is what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually do count our episodes. So it's actually we're actually on 300. This will be 335 this episode but that but that's excluding all the bonus content uh-huh. yeah so. <laughs> and it's excluding tony's companion chronicles <laughs> yes indeed which <laughs> yeah they, they've been missing haven't they for a long time yeah. so <laughs> um but also um we did recently um in back in in, in march we actually celebrated our uh, seventh anniversary Seven years of podcasting. Um, so, um, yeah, thank everybody for sticking with us. Um, it's, it's very much appreciated. Um, I was going to say, and those people who thought it was just happening to them because they'd broken a mirror. <laughs> oh, don't, don't insult the listener. Don't insult the listener. <laughs> Blimey. Um, no, I just want to say yeah, thank you ever so much for, for, for continuing to listening to us, for supporting us, and, and um, also watching us as well. So um, I don't mean through a keyhole or anything like that. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> peeping. <Please>. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you are, and we've had to help the police. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So um, yeah, thank you very much. Um, but as usual, we didn't do anything special for that either. So usually no. we, we did we do a commentary or something, don't we? But um, to celebrate these little milestones. Um, but um, unfortunately, 
the, the timing is well out on doing anything like that. So, yeah. um, but I think we might be doing a commentary towards the end of May if we're lucky. If if the if the planets align, yes, yeah, we might do one then. So, um, so watch this space. So I'm going to say, watch this space. So, I think that just about wraps this episode up, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does indeed, doesn't it? So, until next time then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who podcast alliance. Who's He podcast.